You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Evan Roberts Podcast. We'll call this sort of an instant reaction to the Brooklyn Nets victory over the Orlando Magic, but also... Now we live in a world where James Harden is on our basketball team edition of the Evan Roberts podcast. Mike Biseglia, fellow diehard Brooklyn Net fan, host of many a podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike Delivers. Is that your Twitter account? Mike Delivers, Mike Delivers Pod, but we can change it for the audience. I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> now look, Mike Delivers Pod. Now let's get straight to it. Yeah. I think most people know I had a mental breakdown on the radio. <laughs> When this trade was made, I screamed a lot of things. I think one of which was dribble, 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 fat, 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 something like that. But that was my immediate reaction to the trade. What do you want from me? Now he's a Brooklyn net. Obviously, my views on everything are going to slowly evolve. Sure. You were texting me the day of the trade nervous. Yes. You didn't want James Harden. Is that fair to say? That's accurate. Sure. Absolutely. Did you have a mental breakdown, not quite on the radio, but did you have a breakdown similar to me when you, A, found out about the trade and then B, saw what they gave up? Not quite as extreme as you, but definitely a lot of disappointment, anger, and uh, of everything, sadness. But yeah, I was I was not into it. I was like, what the F are they doing? All right. Did it take you a day or two to start liking it? Because... You're full on board now. I mean, like you're you're a fanboy for this whole thing. You oh yeah, love James Harden's James my Harden. guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's my dude. When did that did that happen before the triple double in his debut, or did it happen during the triple it, double? It happened during the game, and my parents were here while watching the game. And I, I would make a like Harden would make a shot. I look at my dad and go, "That's my guy," and he would <laughs> laugh every time I said that because he knows how pissed I was. But I. Man, I fell in love with it quick. I, I got into it early, and you have no choice. But you, to get back to your original point, yes, I was very disappointed. I was scared, upset, angered. But uh, I would say after the during the Nick game, it changed for me because I saw Shamit play better. I saw Reggie Perry play well. Uh, DeAndre Jordan played well that game. Um, and I just started tricking myself because of how good Kevin Durant is. Yeah. Look, I think what happened to me, bro, is that I've accepted it. I mean, you kind of said it. We don't have a choice. And I'm a diehard Nets fan. You're a diehard Nets fan. I assume anyone who downloaded and is listening to this podcast right now is a diehard Nets fan. And I know a lot of Nets fans wanted to make this trade. I mean, it's not as if I represented and you represented the majority. I think there were a lot of Nets fans that had the attitude of you need stars to win. And three stars are better than two stars. But I think as a fan, no matter what deal it is, no matter what your opinion is when the deal happens, obviously you're going to root for the best. And I think naturally, 
as someone, you and I are like this, we watch every second of every Nets game, you're going to start to create new bonds. So, Mm -hmm. you know, one thing I tweeted out earlier was, it's amazing how quickly you can transition from despising James Harden's ability to get to the free throw line and like hook his arm in and kind of (laughs) cheaply get to the line (laughs) to then look at it as this art form of beauty that James Harden's able to do it. You know, no, that's so true. I, I, I was thinking that to myself, just watching him with those step back threes, getting to the free throw line. And I remember, remember watching Nets Rockets games and being so annoyed. James Harden go to the free throw line again and again. I'm like, what the hell? How is he getting these calls? And now I'm like, how did he not get in that call? That one was a foul. How was that an offensive foul? How could you say he pushed off? And it just shows like for all fan bases. And I'll say, I'll tell him it the bias in just loving your Jersey. And I got into it fast. And it was weird too, because in this game, like Harden had 32, like you said, Durant, what do you have? 42. It didn't feel like they had those many points, but they just kept adding up and adding up. I can't believe the stat line Harden had. I, I I'm shocked by it. Well, here's the thing about this. And I'm glad they won, obviously, but they didn't defend. I mean, this is an Orlando magic team that is very, uh, they're banged up. I mean, Evan Fournier, who's a pain in the ass, didn't play in this game. We know what happened to Markel Fultz. Uh, Jonathan Isaac is still her. Michael Carter-Williams, and I think there's a few others. And this has been a bad offensive team. Like, they didn't play a good offensive team. And Nikola Vukovic, who kills the Nets, yeah. did whatever the hell he wanted. Now, I don't mean to be Mr. Negative here. I understand that, first of all, Kyrie didn't play, and hopefully he'll play soon, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Hmm. And they haven't practiced together, but... Let's not fool ourselves. I mean, they did not defend at a good enough level that they're going to need to. Were there moments like James Harden's first play as a Brooklyn net was forcing a turnover? And I think he had like five steals in this game. So he had his moments, don't get me wrong, but overall, man, they didn't defend. Like they won and they were sloppy with the basketball. They won because Kevin Durant was freaking brilliant. I mean, he was just an offensive Uh, wizard. And obviously, James Harden had an incredible playmaking performance, but they didn't defend, man. Like, that didn't change tonight in this game. No, and and we saw a good DeAndre Jordan versus the Knicks. He was – he went back to just being putrid. He was awful. And I don't – I've been wrapping this around my head because it doesn't make sense to me because last year for the Nets – I don't want to say he was DeAndre Jordan on the Clippers and Lob City and everything there, but he wasn't, he was serviceable. Like if I would say the splits out of 10, who's the best? I would say Jared Allen was a six. DeAndre was a four. This year was like, you know, J.A. was a nine. DJ was a one. So what happened in one year's time that DeAndre Jordan went from like a decent backup kind of center guy that you'd feel good about to who you'd want to have on this team specifically this year to somebody that's a complete liability. Dude. He was terrible. And we saw, and I, and I said this during the game, I went to my dad, I said, Jeff, Jeff Green's going to get the minutes in the fourth yeah. quarter guaranteed. And that's what happened. It, it, it was, it was scary watching Deandre Jordan. And, and also on the offensive end, lob passes when they went to him and, and little slip passes, never did it work. 
minus I think the first play of the game where he hit the two free throws. It was a disaster after that. And his defense on Nikola Vukovic was embarrassing. I mean, he gave him all the space in the world. And obviously, Vuk was hitting basically every open three they gave him. The the positive was, and you nailed it, Steve Nash didn't ride him in the fourth quarter. I mean, DeAndre Jordan played 0.0 seconds in the fourth quarter of this game. In fact, look, he obviously starts, which, you know, for the time being, he's going to start. He starts the second half. They pull him with about two and a half, three minutes to go in the third quarter. He never got back in the game. And I think that was at least a great sign. They rode Jeff Green at the five. Reggie Perry played about, you know, 12 or 13 quality minutes. Look, I don't know if Reggie Perry is necessarily going to be ready to take on the Jared Allen role where he's going to play 25 to 30 minutes a night. But as this season goes on, if DeAndre Jordan doesn't get his head out of his ass or maybe go backwards in age, because that's probably the biggest problem, he's aged and it hasn't been gracefully, he's going to lose minutes. He's going to lose minutes to small ball five with Jeff Green playing the five, and he's going to lose minutes to Reggie Perry. I can't even think of Nicholas Claxton because we're so far away from him playing. And then when he does play, I'm not convinced all of us. I mean, we didn't see enough of them last year to even know what Nicholas Claxton is at this point. No, we didn't. But I, I, I at least feel with Claxton, and I saw it with Perry a little today, like Reggie can move on pick and rolls. He's defending. He slides around. DeAndre Jordan just looks like he's there Ugh. in the game, but not mentally like in it. So I'll take my chances with whatever Nick Claxton is that it will be better than what we're seeing well, with DeAndre Jordan. I'll, I'll he, at least take that chance. Here's the truth. Here's the truth. It's January, middle of January. The starting center for the Brooklyn Nets, or at least the guy getting the bulk of the minutes at the five, is probably not on this roster for who's going to do that during the postseason. I mean, yeah. this is going to be a team big on the buyout market. I don't know how much wiggle room they actually have to make a trade at the deadline, but certainly in the buyout market, they're going to be in a good spot. DeAndre Jordan was awful. But as far as James Harden is concerned, I got to compliment them on a couple of things. All right. Yeah. Number one, I think he did a great job at the press conference, just giving the right answers. And I know it's tough to screw up a press conference, but you can. And he didn't. And I also loved how early in this game, yep. it was almost like he said, I ain't going to take any shots. I'm just going to be a playmaker. That's yeah. all I'm going to do. I'm going to set up my teammates. And as the game went on, he certainly got more aggressive. And then after the game, I wanted to see what he was going to say in the post game with Michael Grady. And Grady goes on about, you're, you know, the first net to have a triple-double in his debut. You're the first NBA player, period, to have 30 points in a triple-double in a team debut. And all these ridiculous stats. Right. And Grady says, what does it mean to you? And Harden says, nothing. I just want to win. And I think that's the hope that here's a guy who's accomplished a lot in his career. He's won MVPs. He's won scoring titles, but he's a loser. I mean, that's just the reality. He is a postseason loser to most NBA fans. And hopefully, and it certainly sounds this way, that his attitude is, I got to win. And of course, I'm not going to dominate the ball. Of course, it's not going to be dribble, 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 dribble. I said on the air, fat, 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 but that seemed to disappear in three days. Like he's going to have the attitude to try to win because he's got to win because his legacy is what right now. So I like, I know it's just words and it's early and I understand that, but I think he has said the right things and I like that.
And I, I completely agree. He started this game looking to get people involved. He had a couple assists early to Joe Harris, who was knocking down a couple of threes early. And I'd like that from him. And then when he was with the second unit and he needed to be more of a focal point of the scoring, he did that for the Nets. And I was happy to see that from Steve Nash. And I think maybe we talked about this where figure out the minutes where Harden and Durant are together, but then make sure Harden is with that second unit so that the bench doesn't seem as depleted as it could be because of the deals. And I like that. And I like what I saw from Harden in this game from him. And he just racked up the assists. He had a couple of foolish turnovers. He rebounded well. And then he, and and I and Eagle made this point. And this is, I was like, this is so true. When Kyrie comes back, and that's a whole nother dynamic to add to this conversation. But with Harden, Kyrie, and James Harden, you have three guys in the clutch that are great free throw shooters. Yes. And that's going to be huge down the stretch. But I was watching this game and the whole time I'm thinking, how does Kyrie just get into this? Like, what is going to be the Kyrie angle for this? <laughs> and I don't know at all. I don't have any guesses. I don't have any ideas. I'm so intrigued with what this is going to look like when you add Kyrie Irving into the mix. I cannot wait to see the three of these guys well, together. Now, a couple of things, because you mentioned how there was never a second in this game in which either James Harden or Kevin Durant was on the floor. All right. So he situated it where one of the stars was always on the floor. And that's great. The negative to that, Kevin Durant played 40 freaking minutes tonight. James Harden played a few seconds short of 40 minutes tonight. Okay. 40 minutes. And, and I got to tell you, I don't mind it with James Harden because one of the compliments I've always given James Harden is that he plays every game and he plays big minutes. Okay, he's not a maintenance day kind of guy because his track record hasn't needed that. And that's that's a compliment to him. As much as we may mock his weight and what he looks like, the guy goes out and plays. And that's great. So James Harden playing 40 minutes tonight, totally fantastic. I'm a little worried about Kevin Durant playing 40 minutes tonight. I mean, I really am, bro. The guy is still, and we can't forget this, coming off a torn freaking Achilles. They didn't play him in a back-to-back earlier this season, which I supported. I was on the radio arguing, it's okay. Now we're playing him 40 freaking minutes, you know, 14 games or whatever it is now into his return. Am I the only one that says, can we slow it down with KD? That has been Nash's MO early is he doesn't limit minutes. And I've, and I know he played, I think 30 versus the Knicks, which was on the back to back, but it's like the opposite of what we saw in the Kenny Atkinson era where your exactly. best player would play 29, 30 minutes, you know, Durant's getting serious here minutes and you do have to worry about it burning out and hurting him later. So I, I don't, I hear your point, but at the same time, you know, this guy wants to play. He wants to do it. So let's just go. Let's let's just let him play. I mean, they're off for a couple. They're off for a day. Then they're in Milwaukee. Let him play the forty minutes. I, I, you know, maybe it'll come back to burn them late. But they want to win games. They want to get a little momentum going. So, you know, maybe we're so conditioned to this new aged NBA where you can't play guys. You can't do things. And I know Durant's coming off this horrific injury. But if he wants to do it and he feels good. Let's just do it. I I don't know, man. <laughs> I got to tell you, I coach. Nash. I don't know the guy that this was his 10th game 
back from an Achilles injury because I, I almost forgot he missed three games because he was in protocol and the one game that he missed uh, for the back-to-back. So this was literally his 10th game back from an Achilles injury and he played 40 minutes. The most minutes he's played, but to your point, and it's interesting, Kenny Atkinson is the head coach. And I don't think this is Kenny Atkinson. I think it's the roster, to be fair. But Kenny Atkinson is the head coach. And two years ago, that really exciting 2019 Brooklyn Net team. No, I don't think anybody played on average 30 minutes a night. Like, it was incredible. They they managed minutes in such an incredible way. That 2019 yeah. team. I'm, I'm confirming this because I could be wrong about this. You ready? I got the numbers. Yeah. Two guys played over 30 minutes per game, and it was 30.2 minutes per game. D'Angelo Russell and Joe Harris. That's it. Everybody else was under 30 minutes. Now you got a guy in Kevin Durant who outside of his first game back against the Warriors, the blowout, he's got to be averaging like 34, 35 minutes. I don't know. I'm just, I'm worried. It's like, I'm a worried father. It's like my child, you know, who's Mm -hmm. trying to ice skate for the first time. I'm like, Oh, don't fall. Don't fall. It's the way we felt when we saw Durant for the first time. And look, the dude is amazing. I mean, he went for 42 tonight. He couldn't miss. He was a, just a joy to watch, and he's an incredible playmaker, too. He's rebounded well. He's defended reasonably well. The only knock I have on him, which is for a lot of this turnovers. team, is, yeah, they turn the ball over at a sick rate. But I don't know. I'm just trying to be cautious because the sure. big picture is they got to win an NBA championship. That's the big picture, yeah, right? It's also, it's also the first game, Evan. They're together. You, know, you could see James Harden. There was one clip they showed on the Yes Network were Harden, oh, it was Durant missed the layup and Harden, and Durant was mad at himself. Yes. And he was like pu- pushing the ball in his head and, you know, Harden was clapping, like being a good teammate, doing all the right things. It's the first game. So I think there's a little juice, a little energy to all of that. So we'll see what happens moving forward. Also remember too, when you add Kyrie to the mix, I guarantee you those minutes go down because Kyrie will take a bulk of some of that time. So I would assume when Irving comes back, whenever that might be, the minute distribution kind of shifts a little bit. Yeah, and I I think that there needs to be a priority on James Harden and Kyrie Irving playing together because, like you pointed out, A, we want to see how it mixes, but also Harden and Kevin Durant have played together. Mm. And you could even see it today. There is that residue chemistry from eight years ago when they played in Oklahoma City. Durant and Kyrie, what I think we were both impressed about before Kyrie went MIA, is that they had a great chemistry together. Maybe it's just being close friends, but it seemed when you watch them like, wow, well, it looks like they've played together for a while. Harden Irving is an interesting fit, like you've mm. said. I mean, we forget sometimes the kind of playmaker James Harden is. We forget sometimes as a guy that's averaged 12 assists a game in a given season. He's done it before. He's been a point guard. You know, he's used to having the ball in his hands and creating an offense, as is Kyrie Irving. Now, Kyrie can play off ball. So can James Harden. I think that's what makes this offense so dangerous, that guys can do many different things. There was a sequence in this game when James Harden, because I kind of look at Landry Shamit, who's basically been the backup point guard lately. When Kyrie's been out, Shamit's been essentially the backup point guard for Karis LeVert. There was a moment in this game in which Shamit wasn't out there and Harden wasn't out there. I think the five guys they had out there were Bruce Brown, TLC, Joe Harris, Kevin Durant, and DeAndre Jordan. So logic says, oh, I guess Bruce Brown was basically running the point. He wasn't. I was keeping track of this, Mike. Mm. Every possession 
someone else was pinging the ball up and basically running the right. offense. Not DeAndre Jordan, Kevin Durant, TLC, Bruce Brown. It was almost like, okay, we're taking turns here running this offense. So you're seeing that kind of versatility. And I think that's what we're going to see from Harden Irving. But that's why I would prioritize those two guys being on the floor together as much as possible, just to kind of get them used to each other. And I do think that Durant's brilliance makes that easier. And it makes it probably everybody around you having more flexibility to be great. But the wild card of, of Harden and Kyrie Irving together on the court is going to be fascinating. Will they get together? Will they like each other? Will it all work? How will this come together? I, there's so many questions that I have and so many questions that are unanswerable at this point. The questions that were answered tonight were, can, can Harden come in and just right away work? Yes. Defensively, so many issues. We talked about them. We saw it. But yeah, Harden can come in. He can fit and he can make plays happen. And you're right. I forgot. And this is something maybe just not watching Harden play all the time. I forgot how good of a passer he can be and the plays he made. And the, I mean, the amount of times he looked to lob it up the court from behind half court. He had one to Jeff Green. He had one to Joe Harris. I mean, it was constantaneous, like throwing the ball up the court. I totally forgot the playmaking ability of James Harden, and it brings it back to what I liked early when he was a distributor, trying to get other people involved. That was such a great sign to see, and I'm positive. Like, deep down inside, James Harden made it a point to come out of this game early and not take bad shots. He knew everybody was watching. He knew he had to pass it early, and it worked. And I know, I can just know deep inside, he wanted to make sure that when he came in this game, when he started it, he was going to be a playmaker, not a shooter. But he ended up shooting the ball, but it didn't feel like he took that many bad shots. It felt like he... It just it was a nice balance from him, and that was good. Good to yeah, see. Yeah, it was it was in the flow of the offense. Like you never felt he ended up taking eighteen shots in this game. Durant took twenty six, yeah. which rightfully so because I mean he was making all of them basically, mid range jump shots, three point shots. After he missed so many early, right? He and he also early. he also missed I think two bunnies. You know, one was the one you referenced where Harden was basically trying to pump him up from the bench. Mm -hmm. So he was sixteen for twenty six, and two of the shots he missed were like gimmies. So, I mean, to think about how insanely efficient he was tonight in this game, it's remarkable. And, and look, one of the challenges this team is going to face, and you can kind of see it, they don't get to practice. You know, so not only did right. they acquire James Harden, and now they're going to incorporate him and Kyrie, assuming he comes back, Durant and all this, they're not really getting to do it with much practice time. So basically a game like this against the Magic – is one giant practice, even though it counts, even though you're trying to win. Sure. So I guess that's one part of the minutes that I understand. These guys need a lot of time to work together. You want that chemistry flowing by the time the postseason starts. I got to compliment Bruce Brown. Uh, he's a guy who should not lose minutes. He's so important. No. He's a quality defender. Uh, he had a big corner three in this game that really, I think, iced the game. They were up seven with a few minutes yep. to go, so you felt good about it. But that corner three kind of iced it. And by the way, how funny was it? Because there wasn't that, you know, real crunch time in this game. The closest it got, at least in the last four minutes, is they were up by five with about three minutes to go. And James Harden drew that foul in the post. And then I think uh, Bacon missed a shot, if I'm not mistaken. 
And James Harden again draws the foul next possession. So, and that put him up by seven. Then Bruce Brown hit the corner three. So they almost iced the game by what? James Harden finding a way to get to the line. And as you mentioned, hitting all of his free throws. And you're you're right about uh, Bruce Brown. And I was, you know, he did not start this game. And I was interested to see what kind of minutes Coach Nash would give him because we saw, and I believe it was the Thunder game where he did not start. Nash abandoned him. And they didn't go to him. Now, granted, this roster is very different with Allen, Levert, and Prince no longer with the team. So by necessity, no, no Kyrie Irving. Brown's got to get minutes, you would think, because there's, you know, the depth's not there. But I was curious what he would do with him, knowing he did not start the game, but he finished with him. And he, Brown's got this nice little push shot that he does, mm-hmm. his energy on defense. I mean, it's funny because we'll all talk about the huge trades that have been made by coach, excuse me, by, um, by Sean Marks, but it's the smaller moves, the, the Musa for Brown. Like these are the kind of deals that are going to impact them long. You know, if they're going to, can they get over the hump? Cause they need these kind of guys, these little smaller trades. This has been phenomenal. I mean, not even compare comparable when you're looking like what Musa could do compared to what now you getting out of uh, Bruce Brown. He's been such a nice surprise for the Nets and the energy. It's like he brings the energy out of everybody else around him. And I was happy to see, even though he didn't start the game, that Coach Nash went to him when it counted and he still got minutes. Yeah, he actually played him, which he didn't do against the Thunder last weekend, which drove me nuts. I mean, Bruce Brown has earned being in this rotation. He played 23 minutes tonight. I get when Irving is back, minutes are going to be cut from some and Landry Shamit, Bruce Brown feel like a couple of guys that may lose some time, but Bruce Brown should at least be in this rotation. I think he's earned that. Now, as far as Kyrie is concerned, I think this hardened trade has kind of taken the attention away from the fact that this freaking guy disappeared. Okay. He shows up at his sister's birthday party, which is sweet. He's throwing a party for his sister. I'm not going to complain about that. Then he shows up on a zoom call. He's a political activist for somebody who's running for, you know, DA in Manhattan. Again, that's fine. You can get involved in politics. The problem is the Nets played that night. That's the problem. You're on a freaking zoom call as the game is going on. Do, do we expect him back? I know all these reports lately are always oh, excited. Sean Mark says he talked to him. He's allowed back. I mean, and if he, even if he does come back, what's he going to say? And let me ask you, does it matter what he says? Or are you such a blind sheep now where if Kyrie's like, it doesn't matter where I was, I'm back. You're going to be like, great, let's go. Or do you need an explanation from Kyrie Irving? I think I'm, I think I'm a blind sheep. I gotta be honest. Like, I, I, I mean, it, if he went out there and said something totally offensive, but at this point, and I, I just be honest with the audience, Evan, I just want to win a championship. And I, I guess, I guess I don't care. I mean, I know that's, I know that's pathetic. I know it is. It's pathetic. Trust me. If he was on the Knicks, if he was on the Celtics, if he was on the Cavs, if he was on the Pistons, if he was on the Bulls, if he was on the, the Raptors, I'd be like, this guy's a joke. I just want to win, and I maybe that makes me a bad person, but just come back and be great. I don't want him to keep doing this, and it is. I feel bad for his teammates, you know, that he's putting them in these bad situations. Like this is kind of effed up to do that to them. That would bother. That would bother me, and I worry about the chemistry. But if they're cool, and if they're okay with what happened, and they're all in communicado about it, 
I'll deal with it. And I get, you know, I get worried about him bailing and it's a playoff game and he right. disappears. That would be a problem. And now it's, I mean, let's, 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 let's be honest, erase everything that happened before because that roster doesn't matter. So it's about getting minutes now with Harden in this new group, but he's got to be there to get that. So that when they get to the playoffs, it matters, but I'll be honest, like I'm probably going to turn a blind eye because I'm so desperate to win. No, 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 look, I'm desperate to win too. All right. And we now root for the most evil super team, maybe in NBA history. Everybody hates the Brooklyn. Which is Nets. weird. Are... It's, the, it's, it's the Nets. I, I know. I know. We're the lowly Nets. What do you hate about us? <laughs> Come on. We won nothing. We've been at two NBA finals and people barely cared. Like, why does the world hate us, Biseglia? But look, it, this is about winning. And I think that's why Irving needs to say something upon his return, because it is about winning. What I mean by that is you hit on it. I'm concerned that in the middle of May, in the middle of a second round series against whomever, he's going to disappear. Mm. I mean, that that's my concern. He is incredibly unreliable. And one thing that was popping in my head during this game tonight, and I know this could have been obvious uh, prior to the Harden trade, and maybe it's something that I should have thought more about throughout the week and throughout the days leading up to the Harden trade and the post-Harden trade. But this net team with just Kevin Durant, as great as KD is, and as much as we like Harris LeVert and Jared Allen and Joe Harris, it ain't winning a championship. It's a good team. Maybe they make a run deep into the Eastern Conference, but it's not a championship team. You're not beating the LA Lakers. It's just not happening. Seeing Harden on the floor with Kevin Durant, despite all of the things they need to clean up and get better at, despite the fact that they need to find big bodies in the buyout market, you feel like you have more of a chance. Hey, there are two superstars on the floor. And Kyrie's unreliable. And so even though Sean Marks will say it has nothing to do, our, our trade of Harden has nothing to do with what's going on with Kyrie Irving. I can tell you as a fan sitting here on Saturday night watching this game, it gave me comfort that, hey, look, Kyrie's uh, you know, doesn't show up. We can still compete for a championship. That, that's like literally what I looked at. I mean, obviously they have a better chance to win a championship with Kyrie Irving and having the three headed monster, but it does supply insurance. And unfortunately I think they're going to need it because even if Kyrie Irving comes back and is dominating for three weeks or a month or two in the back of my mind, I'm going to wonder at some point, is something else going to go down that's going to surprise us with him? What is Durant thinking about with this? That, I, I mean, number one, I'd love to hear from Kyrie, obviously, just to hear what the hell's going on. But Durant, who's like, we're going to team up, we're my buddy. He just seems so nonchalant. He's like, about what's going on? I'd be dying to know deep down inside what Durant really thinks and the impact that had on Harden getting here and making that trade possible. And then from Kyrie's standpoint, does he feel hurt? Like his best friend went behind his back and now wanted somebody <laughs> else. And I know I'm saying this and it sounds like so stupid, like yeah. it's a seventh grade drama and we're going to the school dance, but it kind of feels like that with these guys. And I, I do think for it to be great, they all have to get along. And I worry about Kyrie and, and, I can't believe I'm saying this, but like jealousy issues, right. I hope it doesn't become a problem. Yeah, it's it's a, it would be incredible to know everything behind the scenes. Like 
when KD and James Harden and Kyrie were supposedly all working out in California, did they discuss it? It was asked to James Harden, like during the press conference, did you and KD ever talk about, and I know we can't say yes, because then you've got your whole tampering issue, but you would love to know the absolute truth behind it. I've been thinking about it the last few days. Sean Marks is playing poker and he doesn't like to show his hand. And I remember making this comment maybe a year ago or maybe right before the bubble that I just get the feeling from Sean Marks. He's going to do something big. And I remember saying that on the air a couple of times that he's just going to do something big. And I don't know what it was, whether it was a deal for Bradley Beal or, or something else. So I lean towards the idea that he wanted James Harden that back in early December, he wanted James Harden, but the Rockets weren't willing to trade him that the Rockets were holding on to him. And obviously what's gone on in Houston over the last week or so probably pushed them to the point of, uh, we just got to do it. And we're going to get a great return because there's a market for him. The Philadelphia 76ers want him. The Celtics have called up. We know the Nets are hot for him. So despite everything that was going on in Houston, they knew we're going to get a lot back. So I kind of lean towards the idea that Mark's always wanted him that the Irving thing has happened and it certainly plants these seeds in our minds of, Hey, it's great insurance or Katie went behind Kyrie's back. Like it makes a great story, but I don't know, man. I think Sean Marks has been chasing James Harden for two and a half months, even if there was no leak about it or a hint about it. You know, I I do know what you mean. And this is something that's kind of annoyed me about people that talk about Sean Marks and get on him. Like, Sean Marks four years ago took over a team that was a complete disaster. They had no, we all know this. They had no draft picks, no talent, whatever. And he talked about culture and rebuilding and how it's important for them to bring in culture guys and good, good uh, uh, guys with good attitudes, et cetera. So then for flat, flat uh, you know, flash forward three years later and he's bringing in James Harden and everybody's going to give him crap for going against what he said. It's a business. It's a league that changes. And I, yes, I admit I was not for the trade when it happened, but you can't give Sean Marks crap for trading for James Harden because he made comments a couple of years ago about how he wanted culture guys. Sean Marks wants to win a championship and for better or worse, if he thinks that's the route to go, you can't believe anything that these guys say in the moment or now in this moment, it's about winning a title. And it really annoyed me when we we're playing back sound from Sean Marks three years ago, when he's making comments about how he wants culture guys and it's about developing a culture. Yeah, it is. And now it's about winning a championship. So if he thinks James Harden's the route to go, you can't get mad at him for changing his mind. Things evolve, things change, and we advance in where we are with stuff. So if Sean Marks thinks this is the best route to go in, so be it. Three years ago, if the best route was to sign Jared Dudley and Sean Kilpatrick, that was the route. But now they're in a different position, and he's changed his mind. And it blows my mind that people are going to hold Sean Marks accountable because he's changed his mind and had a chance to get James Harden. I can't get that. Well, you you can't let that stuff bother you. There's a lot of – the Nets are hated, okay? And they're hated by a good amount of people in this city – because they're Nick fans and that's fine. Like Met fans hate the Yankees. I mean, it's, it is what it is. Like that's a part of New York sports. And so you're going to hear that a lot from Nick fans. And, and, and I think any honest Nick fan and a lot of them are honest. A lot of them will say, Hey, I don't like your team, but man, I'm jealous of your team. 
they would trade spots with us at any moment because this is what the Knicks were planning. I mean, remember uh, when they were dreaming even about Zion Williamson, a part of the plan was we're going to get KD and Kyrie, and then we could trade that lottery pick for Anthony Davis. So this is what we do as fans, and this is what Nick fans were thinking about. It didn't work out for the Knicks. They are rebuilding. They are doing nothing wrong right now, by the way. They are rebuilding, and their hope is, here's the truth, for any Nick fan who's listening right now, and there's, again, nothing wrong with this, your hope is you're going to develop some young players to put you in a position to get superstars. Like, if R.J. Barrett develops more and more, and all of a sudden the Utah Jazz say, you know what? We aren't going to be able to keep Donovan Mitchell long-term. We'll take that R.J. Barrett from you. You're going to do it because that's how you win in the NBA. That's it. So you can't take the crit. My criticism is strictly how do I get to the promised land and win an NBA championship? That's my criticism. And that's a, a fair argument for all of us to have as net fans. I looked at the development of Karis LeVert and hopefully sinking better with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving than what we had seen this year, because Kyrie plays his best when those guys weren't out there, specifically Kyrie Irving, and obviously the development of Jared Allen and Irving and Durant being the two superstars, and that would be enough. That was my strategy. It's not about anything else on why I was against the trade. It's how do I win an NBA championship? And yeah, I think what scares me and, and clearly scares you, even though we haven't mentioned it yet, are the draft picks because we lived it. We lived a world in which we didn't have lottery picks. Everything that could have gone wrong after that trade happened, not just the net sucking. It wasn't just that. It was the fact that the Hawks were amazing in a year where they were swapping picks from the Joe Johnson trade. Let's not forget that. And then the same thing with Boston, where the Nets not only sucked, but the Celtics were good. So the right to swaps turned into, oh, great, I've got the 25th pick in the draft. So everything went wrong after that trade, and that is scary. That's a big part of this trade, bro, that is going to scare all of us. That's why I was saying the other day, I really want Kevin Durant to re-sign in a year and a half. Same thing with James Harden. At least let these guys play four to five years here, even if they're aging. That will offset the fact that there's a million draft picks going to Houston, you know? Yes, and then if, you, if you're able to re-sign them, you know, what does – the free agency game look like who are the, the intangible pieces you pick up who Bingo. are the veterans that you add to the pieces and, and, and put the puzzle together that you can win a championship. Cause if, I mean, this is not, I'm not breaking any news here. If any of those guys walk, the nets are not going, I mean, they are going to be in a bad place. Like it's not, it, I disagree about one thing. One thing I got to disagree with you on. It's not. If any of those guys walk, if, Kevin Durant, and this may be happening for all we know. We'll get a better idea next summer when these guys are eligible for extensions. If Kevin Durant is saying to himself and Sean Marks, this is it, man. I'm, I'm in Brooklyn. I'm not, I'm not going anywhere else. This is my team. This is how I'm ending my career. That I don't necessarily think James Harden leaving in a year and a half after he wins a title or even Kyrie Irving retiring really is the thing that's going to kill the franchise. Because I think even an aging Kevin Durant, especially the way he plays, bro, he can be good into his late 30s. And I think he's appealing enough where if those guys left, 
like you said, there would be other players that would come here and maybe we wouldn't win another NBA title, but we'd be competitive. We'd be, we'd be good. So to me, it's not even Harden and Irving. It's Durant. Durant's our guy. I mean, it's only happened in 10 games, but I freaking love this guy. Everything he's done on the floor, everything he's done off the floor. And I just hope, and I know it's so early to be thinking about this. I hope he is planting his everything in Brooklyn and that's it. No more jumping. I'm going to be here until my career is over. Hopefully, you know, seven years from now, you know? So it's two parts to Durant from this early season. One, my wife, I've gotten her into the nets. She's from Pittsburgh. So she never really had an NBA team. She likes her Steelers, the Pirates, a little bit the Penguins. But we become big net fan. She's become a big net fan over the last four to five years because it's on every night and she's forced to watch it. And she was like trying to be really defensive about or, or like uh, a little pessimistic about Durant. I got to see this guy play. I got to see it. <laughs> and then she goes to the me the other day and she goes, I really like Kevin Durant. He doesn't miss when he shoots. <laughs> and I was like, he's unbelievable. And, and, and I'm just tying that together from the point of when the season started, would Durant be the same? Would Durant be good? And the whole narrative has changed, Evan, in three weeks to can we get him to stay long-term because of how good he's played? I mean, that's just cr- credit to him post Achilles. Like there's not even conversation about, is this the old Kevin? Dur- like, is this a new Kevin Durant? That's not good enough. Or is this not the same guy that we saw? It's not even a conversation. The conversation now is we got to find ways to keep him here long-term because he is that efficient and that good. And just watching him play basketball you feel comfortable and confident. This Orlando game, I the whole time was like, they're going to win this game. And I never feel that way. I said, it. I was like, there's no shot they lose this. Orlando's bad. Durant's on the court. They're going to win. No, he's a great player. And it's, it's incredible for him that after missing as much time as he missed, I mean, it was essentially 18 months that he's playing at the level he's playing at. One last thing. I do find it funny that... <laughs> Kevin Durant signs with the Nets, and you and I and every other Net fan wait months, over a year. We waited. How many days did I uh, tally it up to? 500 days right. for the man to make his debut. It was like the most highly anticipated debut because the buildup took forever. James Harden, 72 hours. <laughs> I mean, you, you couldn't have one more extreme, but hey, they won. Harden's a net. We have to accept it. If you're like me and you hated the trade, He's one of us now. Let's go. I appreciate it, Paseglia. Thank you for joining us. You can uh, follow Mike at Mike Delivers Pod. I got it right, right? You did. And I, I have to say this. I thought Harden was going to come out tonight, shave beard. I was wrong. What? It was like a new era. I thought he was going to shave no. the beard. I did. My four-year-old loves James Harden simply because of his beard. I have to <laughs> convince him. You know, and, uh, Kevin Durant, Joe Harris. And w- w- actually, one last thing. Yeah. Thank God for this trade on a not a basketball level, on a health yes. level, because the news that so came true. out about Karis LeVert today, that in his physical, in going to the Indiana Pacers, they discovered, I guess they said it was a mass um, on his kidney. And he's going to go for further testing. He's out indefinitely. But this MRI revealed a small mass on his left kidney. And it was during a physical. And if he's not traded, bro, he's not getting a physical tomorrow. He's not getting a physical next week. He's he's not getting a physical. No. So 
God willing, everything's okay with Karis Levert, but life is so weird sometimes. Yep. Sometimes the strangest things happen. And as much as I'm going to miss Karis Levert, the basketball player is a member of the Brooklyn Nets, and I'm sure he's thinking this, thank God he was traded so that they could discover this, and hopefully he's going to make a full recovery and he'll be good to go. Completely. And Karis is one of my favorite Nets of all time. He's one of the best people people talk about when they say who is in the locker room, who is around the media. Karis LeVert is a star. I, you, I've talked about it before. I love Karis LeVert. I was devastated when I heard that he was leaving this team. And when I saw that, I was like, thank God. Get help. Have the doctors find this. You know, it was like so good to hear because Karis LeVert, the basketball player, is great. Karis LeVert, the person's the best. So, uh Thank goodness he was traded on that front that they could catch this and then, you know, knock on wood, you know, pray to God that everything is good for Karis LeVert because, you know, he he will he will be one of my favorites and I just want nothing but the best for Karis. So that was uh, scary news, but also great that they were able to catch it because of the physical. Amen. Thank you for joining me, Mike. I appreciate it. And thank you for listening to this edition of the Evan Roberts podcast.